You can find more information, photos and advice sheets on all the plants and recipes that we talk about in this podcast by heading to the links in the show notes or on our website at sarahraven.com. Welcome to Grow, Cook, Eat, Arrange, the podcast of me, Sarah Raven, and Arthur Parkinson. And this week, we're going to talk about Cosmos and Mint. And we're joined by an old friend of mine, Mark Diacono, who's got a new book out on herbs next week. Mark Diacono is an old friend of mine who I met really through the Garden and Cookery School here. And he came and visited it because he wanted to set one up himself. So basically, he, <laughs> he, he wanted to he wanted to sort of copy what we were doing, but no, not not at all. He he basically he's the most amazing guy who I love because he pushes the boundaries of what we feel we're safe to grow in this country. And I think of him almost like the climate change gardener, which is that he has turned a negative into a positive, which Arthur and I both feel about dahlias but with Mark he's moved it into the realm of edibles with his new book which is on herbs he does it again but I remember the first time um, he came and taught here at Perch Hill he introduced me to the Sichuan pepper he bought me a plant and I mean it's amazing that you can grow this thing that just gives you these absolutely delicious peppercorns that totally transform just so many dishes even drinks you and I ended up putting Sichuan pepper on the top of. Uh, completely incredible in a Bloody Mary. Completely incredible over ice cream. Can you imagine? Strawberry ice cream. It's just amazing. Anyway, welcome, Mark. You're the first guest that we've had on our podcast. And it's lovely to have you in this episode, which is to celebrate Easter, really. And so that's why I thought you'd be perfect with herbs, because you could tell us about mint. Because, of course, lots of people are going to be eating mint in some shape or form. They might be eating it with lamb if they're not a veggie this weekend. But if they are a veggie, there are lots of other ways of eating mint. And I want you to tell us all about that as well as all about your new book. Well, it's very lovely to be here. I'm, I'm, I'm deeply honoured. Yeah, we, we, go, we, we do go back a long way, don't we? I think, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe 12 or more years. And um, it was quite an inspiration coming to Perch Hill and seeing what you do. Uh, but it, I think, do you know what? I, I think a lot of the inspiration I got from you was before I met you um, through your books. Oh, and I still love your delightfully multicolored book, which is, is still sits there, covers falling apart, you know, and all of that stuff. Like, you know, you can make a good stock out of that book, I reckon, it's been used so much. So, um, But yes, it, Easter, I mean, it's just, you know, everything. I love this time of year because by now we really feel we're in it, aren't we? We're kind of, things are popping up, leaves poking out you know things all the early herbs and and for me one of the pleasures about writing the book was that for me spring is about all those early big flavors so sweet sicily's coming out now yeah. and again as you were saying mint is getting a bit more lively yeah and it comes through the big flavors you know and yeah. um it, it, even even you know you were talking about the szechuan pepper there just the first few leaves starting to poke their little noses out and yeah. i use those a lot the very early ones in salad when they're very very small oh, and just yeah, nice little zing running all the way through it. So um, it is a very optimistic time of year, isn't it? It so is. And I, I know that sorrel is one of the, I mean, you've got sorrel as one of the feature plants in, in the herb book. 
And um, sorrel is one of the first things that I, I turn to in spring. I absolutely adore it. And one of the recipes that I was really drawn to in the book when I had a look at it this weekend was this thing that I've never heard of in my long life of cooking called ajika. Is that how you pronounce it? It is. It's, well, it's, far, it's the way I pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Um, yeah, ajika, it's a wonderful thing. I think Georgia might be its spiritual home and it's it's one of those... I don't know. I, I like, I, I, as much as I love a really big, simple flavor, just going wallop, the thing with Ajika that I really like is that you've got, you know, the freshness of mint, you've got a big wallop of chili, there's plenty of salt going on. And depending on what oil you use, that may be kind of very present, but really it's just a wonderful way of delivering all of that, you know, salty, brightness, lots of hit. In In, in lots of ways, it's almost an alternative to something like salsa verde which might have mm. um a lot of parsley going on although again yeah. that's really whatever's in the fridge but I, it, it's so good and it keeps for an age as well so it's one of those things to make a jar of yes and it really is just a coming together of those things you know mint chili uh, whatever oil i tend to use a pretty 50 50 of olive oil and, and walnut oil garlic again and lots and lots of salt and it will keep for an absolute age and you'll find yourself thinking, oh, I'm going to use it with this or I'll use it with roast vegetables this weekend coming up or roast lamb if you're so inclined. But you'll be dipping chips in it. You'll be, you know, it's one of those. It just, it's a great thing. And I think maybe the first time I came across it was Viralia Hercules, I think. Oh, I think she wrote yes. something about it somewhere. Might have been even been on something like Instagram. And it just made me go, that sounds right up my street. And I went nosing around I think her last book may have a recipe for it as well. and it, But it really is one of those, a bit like mint sauce, a bit like salsa verde, where you've got the core things and then you play with it. Yeah. Depending on what's in the fridge and depending on what it's going to go with and what you fancy. it's it, The recipe really is a, a place to start from. And so you either sort of chop it by hand or do, can you do it in a Magimix or a food processor yeah. or whatever? Yeah. Again, you could argue all day long about things like pesto, whether they should be you know, it has to be done in the pestle and mortar or whether you can yeah. do it in the whatever. And it is interesting that however they shouldn't, I do find the result is different. Yeah. But I... You don't prefer one or the other. They're just different. Not usually. Yeah, they're just yeah. different. So, yeah. you know, it depends because the joy of sitting there with a, you know, pestle and mortar, the maybe with a little gin to the side of you on a sunny evening is plenty enough not to be pressing the magic mix on. But if you're in a hurry, bung it in and get it done. But yes... Yeah, I would. I would go either way, whatever's your mood. Because we're talking about food. Arthur's gone rather quiet because food is is not (laughs) But Hang on. (laughs) Mark's mentioned gin. So, Mark, what (laughs) herbs would you recommend for gin? Because for me, I do grow borage for gin. Yeah, nice. Is there anything else I should be growing for gin? Well, that's just to make it look pretty, Arthur. (laughs) Well, well, it does turn, you know, a a gin and tonic into something you'd be served at Covent Garden, so why not? That's that's good. (laughs) Do you know what? I I, I, I did make a sort of gin and tonic mojito that came out of something accidental in that, can I tell you a quick story? Yes, Yes, please do if it involves gin. So, so it does involve gin. So I'm giving this talk for, um, and I'm making a mojito, you know, with the five classic ingredients of white rum, uh, sugar, I always forget, which um, mint, uh, soda water and, and lime. And I'm talking about how it originally came from Cuba. Did you know it was originally called Ladrac? No. <laughs> it was originally called Ladrac. It was called Ladrac because it was invented in honour 
of Sir Francis Drake. No. Nice, 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 nice. Good story. We like anecdotes. Good story. Except, (laughs) except. So I'm doing this to a crowd of people. (laughs) No, it's true, it's true. (laughs) Except instead of saying, as I meant to, to a group of people, it was invented in in honour of Sir Francis Drake. I said it was invented in honour of Sir Charlie Drake, accidentally. And... (laughs) And everyone started laughing. I'm like, that's not that funny. I said, I've said, um, Charlie, so I invented this mojito called the Charlie Mojito, which is gin and tonic, but it involves lemon verbena. Ah. And lemon verbena is a real kind of um, zingy brightener. So it's it's got similar ingredients, you know, a little bit of sweetness. Um, love it's lemon got, you know, verbena. either sugar, or, but lemon verbena. It's, it's, it's a yeah, beauty. I love lemon verbena. One of the things that sort of makes me think about you two as, as a, well, that you have in common is what I'm trying to say, is that yeah. you both do the photographs and the text for your books. And that is amazing. Both Arthur and you do that. So I'm slightly changing the subject, but um, that was one of the reasons. Yeah, I want, I want to know the ingredients for this mojito. Oh, okay. Sorry. Back to that. <laughs> Finish the mojito. I'm noting all that. Oh, is it in the book? Um, no, no, no. That one actually oh, is. Um, that well, one that's is, no good. That one's in the back of the year of Otter Farm. So it's really simple. It's lemon for being oh, right. syrup. Lemon for being. It's very similar, but it's lemon for being a syrup which you make with equal amounts of sugar and water, and then you throw the lemon verbena in once the sugar's dissolved, take it off the heat. Lots of lime juice. Also add the skin. There was a lady from uh, Jamaica who, at the same day, she said, you make a really nice mojito, but if you put the skins in and you muddle those a little bit with uh, the end of a a rolling pin or something similar, just to get the flavour out of the skin, you get a bit more of the aromatic stuff going on. Mm. Lots and lots of mint. And I use tonic water. So essentially it's a gin and tonic mojito. And it makes you feel good. But yeah, are you, getting back to the photography, I think maybe it's just that Arthur and I are control freaks and we don't want anyone else involved. Stay away. The reason the reason I brought it up <laughs> is that Jonathan Buckley and I always have a right old laugh. He's the photographer that Arthur and I work with all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, there's this thing called the Garden Writers Guild. The, uh, our listeners might not know about it. Anyway, it's where... All sort of garden journalists, garden telly, garden PR, garden everything have this massive, great sort of bun fight of a lunch, normally in one of the London posh hotels. I've never been invited. Oh, well, don't worry, Arthur, it's coming. <laughs> and <laughs> and and it's um, the last few times I've been, you're sitting there and one announcement after another, it's like the gardening book of the year, Mark Diacono. Garden Photographer of the Year, Mark Diacono. Seasonal Photographer of the Year, Mark Diacono. Journalism Article of the Year, Mark Diacono. I think you, it's like, that's why you boycotted it, isn't it? As, rest, as a farce. The rest of us have just given up. Well, there you are. That's the, that's the, power, of, that's the power of giving people your uh, gin and tonic mojito recipe. You just give yeah. it to the right people and, you, and, that, and that's what happens. That's what it is. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, this book's not yet out, but don't worry, everyone. It's going to be it's going to be winning every prize that there is going in both fo- photography, food, and gardening. It'll win every single category. I anyway, hope so mo- moving on and and including Arthur a little more, although he's been quite taken by the gin. The mm, other thing very. that I want us to talk about today is cosmos. So, Mark, are you a gardener? I mean, do you grow flowers as well as edibles? 
I offer my practical services to my wife, who um, is very much on, of, of the ornamental persuasion as well as the edibles. And I, and I'm, I have to say, I hoped I'd never creep across the fence towards enjoying and in, and wanting to grow more ornamental stuff. But I do, and I have a feeling it's, it's very similar to what a, an old friend said to me a while ago. He said, "The trouble is, Mark. In the end, everybody loves Super Tramp." And I think I think that's what's happening. I think that's what's happening with me and ornamentals is I'm just turning into an old git, um, and, and and finding I enjoy them. I haven't grown Cosmos though, but I have been party to its um, excuse harvesting. Excuse me, for, excuse what, me. Sorry, you sorry. are insulting what? a lovely 28 year old man who is and completely loves Cosmos, and a rather more um, elderly lady over here who also loves Cosmos. <laughs> so we're not old gits just because we like. Good I didn't growing. mean that. I, I, I meant that. I, in the end, you you end up loving all the stuff you used to hate. Uh, that, that's all. Okay. That's all I meant. That's all I meant. Let me backtrack really quickly. <laughs> anyway, Arthur, um, tell me your favourite cosmos. It is a cosmos called Rebenza, and for Mark's benefit, I'll describe it. It's like um, if you imagine a really deep raspberry syrup in a pan bubbling. Um, it opens this deep saturation with a lovely honey rich nectar center and um i like it because unlike dazzler which is its sort of older sister much taller it's perfect for a pot because it doesn't develop a huge root ball or a massive bamboo cane like stem so i always grow a benza if you like white i would grow one called fizzy white i think it's called sarah mm. yeah that's it uh, the for, double for pots. or semi double yeah yeah I mean, me and Sarah, we we don't like the little dwarf range very much, do we, Sarah? No. Called, is it the Sontania? Uh, Sontana, yeah, Because they're yeah, just exactly. useless for cutting. They're good for so, pots, yeah. though. And Arthur, the small garden there. They're, they're good. a bit dinky. <laughs> I've, I've just Googled Sorry. them. I've, I've just Googled that Rebenza one. That's, yes. It is gorgeous. It, it is, is gorgeous, yeah, it is. You could it go is. with oregano, Mark, I'm sure. Well, there, there we are. And I think you're right. If, if you're going to go, go big. Go If you've got space, go the tall ones, you know, a bit of, bit of impression. Yeah, yeah. block out the neighbours. But yeah. um, now, the, the reason we're talking about them now on the sort of beginning at the cusp of April and sort of middle of spring, really, is that they're the last or one of the last half hardies that we sow here. And so they're really relevant. And also the other thing is I think of them often with mint, actually, because one of the things I love about Cosmos is that they've got this wonderful foliage and you can almost just arrange them on their own in a vase, but even better in a jug, I arrange them with mint because the one thing about Cosmos, however elegant they are and however rich and lovely the flowers, they don't have scent. And so by having actually mint and Cosmos together in a jug on the kitchen table or whatever, um, you just get this lovely combination and that variegated mint is beautiful with the white. And then I find the bowls mint, which is sort of, fluffy it's almost like sort of cashmere jersey that arranged with one of the dark ones gives you that rich velvet tone so oddly i think of cosmos and mint not not in the same category but i i do think that they're rather good partners arthur how would you sow cosmos well i would sow it between april and the end of may i mean i've sown it in june before now and it does flower before the first frost yeah, And I would sow the little, they're very good seeds for a beginner because you can place them. So you can place them in your seed tray, you know, a good inch and a half apart. They germinate literally within a, a long weekend, you know, 48 hours and a bit, they'll be poking up. And then as soon as the first little ferny adult leaves have emerged, I prick them out into a nine centimetre pot 
And they're very quickly ready to go out into the garden. They're very, very fast to grow. And um, if you don't pinch them out, they'll flower within almost, you know, five weeks. But if you do pinch them out, they'll then bush and you'll get lots of flowers for, for picking. They really are. And the, the other wonderful thing about them is the bees and butterflies adore them, um, regardless of what variety they are. Yeah, they, they do. If you sit, if you put a chair under a Cosmos Purity on a sunny day, you're practically deafened by the buzzy bees. There's one thing I've really noticed uh, with Cosmos recently, um, which I, I looked into last year, so I can give you the reason, is that I found with the bigger varieties of bipinatus, both Cosmos and Dazzler, what happens is that they grow and grow and grow and grow, and you literally are look, looking like uh, Jack and the Beanstalk, and there's not a sign of a flower or a bud, and they get to sort of five foot, and only then do they start to flower. And apparently this is because a lot of Cosmos seed is actually grown in Morocco, where, of course, they have longer seasons, so they will come in to a decent sort of 14-hour daylight to 16, whatever, earlier in the season. And so they're waiting for the spur of this length from germination of the day before they're sparked into flowering. And so then when you bring them here, if we sow them in April, they're only just getting to the size that they've been almost um, selected for in Morocco when we get a frost and they die. So it's really worth keeping your own seed of Cosmos for that reason. That's fascinating. Yeah. They're just bred for a different microclimate to ours. And they're so easy to germinate and they grow like mustard and cress. But it, it is worth really harvesting your own seed if you possibly can. Obviously, you can't this year because it's too late. But if you grow them this year, then remember to keep your seed for next year. I also quite like the idea you were saying there, Arthur, they, they germinate in no time. I think if you're yes. someone like me who, yes, I grow a lot of edible stuff, but if you don't grow ornamentals or you're coming to the edible side for the first time, confidence and momentum is a big deal. And if you're seeing action, then that's really encouraging, isn't it? You know, yeah. it's like, okay, I haven't messed this up. You want the reward instantly. Yeah, you they know, are. you can see that things are underway, you know, which is always really kind of jollies you along a bit, doesn't it? And they're the epitome of the cut and come again plant. So actually, when I started doing my experiments of growing cut flowers, Cosmos Purity and Cosmos Dazzler were two of my first uh, experiments. And I picked 52 buckets of cut flower from a square meter of Purity and 47 wow. from Dazzler in one season, because the more you pick, the more they flower. That's incredible. Yeah, it is. I was I was picking two buckets a week from sort of the early, like the 10th of July in my records, right the mm -hmm. way through until the end of October. Um, it just They're just amazing. So if you want a performance plant that's dead easy to grow for beginners, Cosmos, it's got to be. And I would say, handing back to you, Mark, on the, on the mint front, you know, mm -hmm. mint is one of those things. Can you just give us a few growing tips and perhaps tell us your absolute favorite variety all round for mint? Yeah, I think, I think if you... It's tricky with mint because there are a number that I really, really love. But if I had to choose just one, I would choose Moroccan mint, I think. Mm. it's If it's not number one, it's number two for quite a lot of recipes. You know, it's really good mm. for mojitos. It's brilliant for mint sauce. It's really good in all the other ones, you know, the Salta Verdes and so on. It's it's a great scatterer. You know, it's a, it, it's just got presence. You know, it, it just works. If that's the one you've got space for, it would be that one. Yeah, I do like chocolate mint. I grow chocolate mint 
I use that probably most, actually, if I'm poaching, I don't know, reluctant supermarket stone fruit, you yes. know, <laughs> hard peaches that could stand up to a test match. You know, I would probably, <laughs> you know, poach those in a, in a nice cidery kind of a sweet cidery liquid with plenty of chocolate mint. And, you know, because you've got mint and you've got chocolate and you've got peaches or nectarines and they all work really well together. Yeah. Um, Bowls mint, like you said, is a, is a beauty. Strawberry yeah. mint, I love up until Wimbledon. But <laughs> as, around Wimbledon and it wants to go to flower, it just, as a whole load of cat's pee gets into the fragrance and scent, which is not what you're really looking for in the kitchen. And uh, apple mint, apple mint I love as yeah. well. Very gentle, brilliant for if you're looking to cover space. under Underneath a fruit tree, I would say apple mint is the one because it spreads really nicely and it mm. stops you. It not only brings in pollinators, but there's a lot of research that shows that maybe the essential oils are, are good at preventing a lot of the um, fungal diseases in fruit trees. But also that you've got, that you don't have to actually mow then beneath the apple tree, which, you know, having bruised my forehead more than once with uh, with that is is a good thing. So it's quite nice to be able to, you know, just grow grow the mint underneath and bring in the pollinators. And and just, I think, to, to finish off, could you give us the best possible mint sauce recipe, which I know is a bit of a cliche, and your book is all about not having herb cliches, but just as we're approaching Easter, I just think it's a good way to end. So into a jug, I'd put lots of chopped mint. I'd put in whatever volume you want to put of boiling water and half that of sugar, okay? And stir that up, stir that up, let it cool. And then I add the same amount of white wine vinegar as I put in water. But do that, add that when that's cool. Right. A good amount of salt, but taste, taste, taste. And then at the end, as I'm serving, I add a little bit of fresh mint. So you get the kind of double mint um, uh, thing, a very zingy and fresh and a slightly deeper one. Occasionally, I will swap, depends on the weather a lot, but occasionally I will swap the sugar for a bit of red currant jelly or a bit of medlar mm. jelly. Mm. Um, and occasionally I'll use lemon juice instead of white wine vinegar. But that's my kind of thing, you know, equalish amounts of white wine vinegar and water, about half the amount of sugar, a reasonable amount of salt to your taste, lots and lots of chopped mint in there. And then I add a little bit of fresh mint at the end. And the reason you add the lemon juice or the vinegar once it's cooled is that it, it then prevents the leaves from going brownie green rather than just fresh green. Is that right? Yeah, there's that. And, and of course, I, want to, I don't want any of it evaporating away. I want plenty of sharpness. You know, I want, I want you know, the, yeah. the, the balance of sweet sharp here is, is the crucial one. Don't be afraid to add a little squeeze more of let You know, it's one of those where you've just got to taste, taste, taste. But in the same mm. way with ice cream, I would say you want the flavor to be bigger on your spoon then because that's how it will appear it will appear slightly less on the plate because obviously it's diluted with everything else but that's that's what I do that's what I do thanks for listening to Grow Cook Eat Arrange next week we're going to talk about something that Arthur and I are really passionate about which is companion planting so going for one plant to help another out so you don't need to resort to chemicals and so you encourage all the insects and pollinators and birds and bees into your garden. You can find more information, photos and advice sheets on all the plants and recipes that we talk about in this podcast by heading to the links in the show notes or on our website at sarahaven.com.